Welcome to Wiggly Neurosis. this episode no again we always say that but we're again enthusiastic i don't want to not like the episode because then what are we doing yeah because then even if we came in and said like i think i said that last week if we came in we we're like the movie sucked or the album sucked, sucked you they just stop listening right there i think even if what we watched or listened to is bad it would be a good episode which isn't necessarily the case today no. at all i really liked the film and i had a great time listening to the album yeah so uh, for this episode, because the theme is animal, we're going to review the movie The Lobster, which is a 2015-2016 release. Technically, mm-hmm. it's 2016. Had a, from what I understand, like art house release in 2015. Right. Which is why, I mean, we were able to see it and it was available to see last year, which kind of had to go out of your way. Um, but it did get a wide release now. Yep. So, I mean, it was on my top 10 list of last year, but I think more people, if they liked it, as much as I did, uh, you'll see it a lot this year just because of that wacky release thing, yeah. release schedule. And it was even up here in Appleton, which I was strange, very surprised very, by. Very, very strange. Not that we live in like the dungeon of the world or anything, but right. it's not unusual. typically a place you see films of this nature getting a theater release. Mm-hmm. Was it like one weekend or was it a full week run? Or I don't know. It's still playing now, but I don't know if it's getting booted this coming weekend. Yeah, but. probably. Yeah, that was, that was a cool thing. But yeah, that's the movie uh, of the week. And the album of the week is Anna Moles, plural, by Pink Floyd. Mm-hmm, the classic album. The cla- yeah, 1977. Yep. And we'll touch on that. Amazing, amazing album. So great movie, awesome album, and awesome beer. Yes. Great beer. So today I chose uh, the Dogfish Head Brewing Company beer, 60-minute IPA. If you're familiar with craft beer, you've probably at least heard the name Dogfish Head. Um, they're out of Delaware. They're known for being outside of the box with a lot of their beers, being a little bit more experimental. Their IPAs are pretty well known. Um, the 60 minute is sort of their baseline IPA, sort of their everywhere all the time one. It's a little bit lower in alcohol. It's only 6%, which is good. Um, so you can have one or two of these without, you know, having to worry about having to go somewhere or anything, but they do go up to their 75 minute IPA which is a characteristically different beer. Their 90-minute IPA uh, and then their 120-minute IPA, which is a monster beer. Um, but I just picked the 60-minute IPA because I haven't had it in a while. And yeah. it's, a, it's a solid IPA. It does everything it needs. I, I, I don't really remember if there's anything super unique about it, but most of their beers are pretty interesting. Look up Dogfish Head and look up some of the crazy beers they do. 
Yeah, they use, <clears throat> excuse me, absolutely just wonky flavor combinations. And at one point they claimed, and I, I heard there's like a, a, a part of a forum that I'm a part of that was like contesting it, but they were using an Egyptian beer recipe. That is the Midas touch. Yeah, and that's, I, I, I get that you want to knock that, but even still, the they ingredients cla- were so well, wacky. Because they claim that they scraped the an urn that was next to an Egyptian mummy's you know an egyptian mummy in 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 a tomb somewhere and they found traces of all the ingredients that they found the modern equivalent of and made midas touch which is a very very it's actually kind of a light-bodied beer it's more of a it's made with grapes and some weird stuff like that um it's more fruity but it's also very high in alcohol content but uh i'm yeah so that that's just an example of how weird they get and this one is more this 60 minute ipa is more of a like if you're into IPAs without going overboard, this is a solid one. I yeah, think. it's pretty. I'd say it's it's straightforward, but oh boy, sorry, it's pretty straightforward for for an IPA. But again, it's it's solid and yeah, and I wow, it's really good. It's mm-hmm. super well balanced for an IPA. It's definitely got the malt characteristics in it, but it's I mean it's definitely an IPA as well. It actually if if you know if you you know more if you're more familiar with just a regular pale ale, this is closer to that, but. It's definitely it's it's a sixty IBU, which again is international bitter unit, so it's definitely more bitter. Mm-hmm. But there's plenty going on in this that you're not just getting, no, you know, it's, it's beat really to death with hops. Yeah, yeah. And they've they their IPAs are all good. I'm, I'm even a, getting almost like a wheat estery yeah, flavor in this. Kind of sweet, yeah. Yeah, a little bit at the end. There, I've noticed that with their beers too. Is they always the the flavors are never just like one hit. You know, it's this, it's a journey. I know right. that sounds really odd, an odd way to describe, but there's certain beers that the taste can go on for close to anywhere from five to ten seconds. Right, and I, I know I just said, oh, this is their basic IPA, but after just taking one or two sips here, this is different. Yeah, this is different this is than different most beast. IPAs. It's this is good. a different beast. And yeah, I think I've had every one of theirs. That's widely distributed. Yeah. Because I've it's been to one of their 60, 75, 90, and I have two on twenty. All of their IPAs. Because I've, yeah. I actually, uh, a couple of years ago, I went out on a family vacation to Virginia, and they have brew pub, a couple of brew pub locations, and we went there for lunch and to get some beers, and uh, they had some beer there that you can't get anywhere else. And actually, for a well, long period of time, where, where we live in Wisconsin, they didn't distribute to us for. They did, and then they stopped for I want to say like four or five years. Yeah, that was a dark time. It's a dark time indeed. But yeah, they're back, and this is definitely a delicious beer. If you're feeling a little bit adventurous, check them out. But do be aware that their beers are a little bit more expensive. Very, and uh, especially their bombers. Yes. Their bombers are borderline. I don't, again, not trying to throw any barbs here, but that's um, borderline egregious. It's hard to blame them, though, with the different distribution brand name, brand laws. Brand name recognition, too. Brand name recognition is one thing, but yeah, and then with distributing the limited quantities they can make and the further west you get i would imagine the, their beer gets more and more expensive because it's just further from home but yeah it's worth it no this is a good this is really good yeah it's I like delicious this. i enjoy delicious. it delicious but i think if i remember correctly i think the 90 minute was my favorite the 120 minute was awesome but it, we're talking an almost 20 percent alcohol by volume i mean that's like drinking 12 ounces of liquor mm-hmm. which you know go go wild but uh just be aware that that's a potent beer and the 122 is not meant if i understood the instructions correctly is not meant to just come off the shelf and into a glass oh well no they don't necessarily say you can't do that but i think the implication is the that there's so much hops in that beer that 
some a lot of craft beers do have a shelf life they will expire they, the ingredients will go sour they will uh, like a nice wine turn into vinegar the ingredients will lose their potency but there's so much hops in it which is a um what's the word i'm looking for it's that i'm having a brain fart it's a natural uh fermentation no no, no. no? it's a it, it, it it's a preservative Oh, okay. Hops can be a preservative, and there's so much in it that it's not going to go bad. So the idea is if you get, say, two bottles of the 120-minute IPA, drink one now, and then drink one in five years, and it'll be totally different. Yeah. Because I had one right off the shelf, and it was delicious. And I drank it over the course of an hour or two because, again, it's very strong. But if you, you know, even when it's going up and down in temperature, the characteristics are changing dramatically in it. Yeah. And yeah, I have one that's been aging for two years, two or three years, and then I have one that I just got. Right, because you can actually look up Dogfish Head 120-minute IPA, and you there's people who had one that they've had on the shelf for five or so years, and then a fresh one, and they'll open both of them and pour them into glasses, and one will look completely different than the other. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, it's pretty that's interesting. That's pretty incredible. That's that, I mean, because normally wine's kind of known for that. Yeah, beer is not known for, for as something you age. Yeah, not at all. But um, speaking of beer, we're going to a, a beer fest this weekend. Yeah, we'll be we'll be attending the beer or beer bacon and cheese fest in New Glarus, Wisconsin, sponsored by New Glarus Brewery, of course, which is infamous in Wisconsin. Infamous, and yeah, we'll be there. Yeah, I'm excited. I've never been to New Glarus. I enjoy their beers. Um, it's going to be a, a nice, warm, fun day with you guys. So yeah, it'll be a good time. So, um, onto our high priority news items. Really, the only one we had comes from the um, the drama world or or play world. Uh, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. It's already a massive hit. Critics are just raving about it, and it has not even tickets to this haven't even been released yet. They're just mm-hmm. doing sample shows. I don't know a whole lot about this book. It's because it's, it rich- it's a play. Yeah. And it's another, I know J.K. Rowling had something to do with it, but then it was kind of She was one of the co yeah, we talked about it previously. She was one of the co-writers on it, and it's, uh, in a way, a sequel because Harry Potter is an adult, and it's more or less about his son. I believe James, I think, is what the kid is named. I don't, I would have to, I'm rereading Harry Potter. I'm not quite there yet. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, that's what it's about. It's about just sort of that next adventure and the next generation of the Potter family, Um I think we had expressed maybe a little bit of caution on whether or not to be excited about this because I sort of feel that Harry Potter ended in a good place, but it's inevitable that something like that is continued like this. Right. So I hope it's great. Hearing that it's good is exciting. Yeah. And play critics are especially tough. They're no, that's very well known, almost much harsher than movie critics in a lot of ways. And for this to get pretty much across the board, high, high marks, I was reading I don't think there's really any negatives. There's one that was kind of a mixed, but yeah, a lot of just overwhelming. I think the only, the main thing here is that I don't think you're going to see this being heralded as this great fin- cultural phenomenon. Like the, the seven Harry Potter books and the eight films are just because it is a play. It is theatrical. There's nothing wrong with that at all, but it does not, it is not going to have the level of exposure or popularity. Maybe in five ten years if it's seriously that good i would see i bet it's gonna have a movie adaptation or she'll write an official novel or something um yeah. but it's hard to say with something like this as much as i'd like to see it it's hard for me to see a reality where in the near future me and you can just go and see this play because it's yeah. a broadway play isn't it is it broadway yeah or no yeah. it's in london oh okay well that so, makes more sense with their their version of broadway 
well, whatever that is. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but no, it's yeah, it's it's yeah, that's true. And when you think about the big flagship plays, you know, I don't like you said, I don't see this ever. Well, we talked well, about too Wicked. Yeah, Wicked's like a huge one. Um, what are some Lion King? That's a big one. Uh, what's the the Mormon one? Mama Mia, uh, Book of Mormon. Book of Mormon. Yep. Uh, Kinky Boots. That's another one. That that's I've never heard around. of. Yeah, you would watch the Kinky Boots. I would. That's I'm a sucker. No, but I've seen I've seen a few of those. But yeah, I don't see this getting that na- national tour thing going. So mm-hmm. who knows? Maybe, maybe not. But Harry Potter. I like. I agree with you. I like the way it ended, and I don't think you should really screw up a a good ending. That's something you don't want to sacrifice. Yeah. Well, and yeah, yeah. It's hard. For, it's hard to say because I just don't know where they can go with this. But you know, ten years ago, I would have said the same about Star Wars, and Force Awakens ended up being fantastic. Blew our minds. So, uh, yeah, anything can happen if the right people are behind it. Yeah. Well, cool. So that was the the intro there. Again, this is the animal episode. When we come back, we're going to review our movie of the week, The Lobster. You know what we never did? What? We never defined animal. Oh, man. Should Hold we just do that before? I'll do that the... real quick, and we'll talk about what, what we think. This Should is we... a little out of order. This is, yeah, this is totally but out that's of order. Okay. We, so, we were just in the groove about that beer. Yeah. So an animal is a living, it's a noun. Uh, it's a living organism that feeds on organic matter, typically having specialized sense organs and nervous system, uh, nervous system, and able to respond rapidly to stimuli. Uh, it's also an adjective of relating to or a characteristic of animals. Dumb definition on adjective. I mean, it's an animal. It's an animal, basically. So Boom. What does animal mean to you, Ethan? I'll keep it short because we're backwards here. But yeah, it's just a li- like when I think of an animal, I think of a living creature. Mm-hmm. Whether it's human or a bug or a fish or a, you know a fox or whatever, any animal. I love animals. I think they're awesome. We have two cats at home. Uh, someday we will probably get more cats and probably a dog when we get to a bigger place. But I've always loved animals. Um, I think they're adorable. They're scary. They're interesting. They're everywhere. There's thousands and thousands of different types and. It's always just fascinated me. The tree of life, as they say, and animals are sort of the uh, the centerpiece of that, if you will, because so, it's conscious. It, an animal is at least a partially conscious form of life, unlike a tree, which is, you know, it's just a tree. Just a tree, bro. What about you? Well, actually, I put a little bit of thought into this because I mm-hmm. noticed you're definite. And that's why I can't believe I skipped over it. But to me, I think I think of all those things. But I think the big takeaway is that with animals is that humans are animals. That's people have a very hard time kind of grasping that. Not everybody thinks yeah. so. Nate. Yeah. Some people think human beings are above animals, which is fine if that's what you believe. Neat. That's cool. But uh, yeah, we're animals. Yeah, and panthers will, because that's my my power creature. Panthers will kill you. <laughs> what? They'll eat you. But no, that's the thing is that's the big the big takeaway I had from it was that you know we're all we're all creatures, we're all animals. But I, I too love animals. I have a dog. Grew up with dogs. I've had a lifelong obsession with goats. I've always wanted to have a goat farm. That's so. super weird. Yeah. Goats are amazing creatures. <laughs> they really are. Not a sentence I was expecting <laughs> to hear today. <laughs> and now you did. That's a, that's what we do on this podcast, yeah. man. We make we make dreams come true. But like, uh, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> okay, so that was totally out of order. Uh but it again, worked. It worked. When we come back though, we're gonna review our movie of the week, The Lobster. And this is the animal episode. Have you ever been on your own before? No, never. Your last relationship lasted how many years? 
Around 12. Sexual preference? Women. Is there a bisexual option available? No, sir. This option is no longer available. Hmm. And the dog? My brother. He was here a couple of years ago, but he didn't make it. Did you read the leaflet? Yes, I did. As you understand from your brother's experience, if you fail to fall in love with someone during your stay here, you'll turn into an animal. Have you ever danced with anybody? Yes. As an animal, you'll have a second chance to find a companion. What sort of dancing did you do? Just depends on the music. Mind if I join you? It's no coincidence that the targets are shaped like single people and not couples. Welcome back into Weekly Neurosis. I'm Nate. I'm Nathan. Now it's time for Movie of the Week, man. Yep, it's time. The Lobster. Excited to talk about this one. Okay. Take her away. So in a nutshell, this movie is about plot, colon, in a, <laughs> in a dystopian society, single people must find a mate within 45 days or be transformed into an animal of their choice. This movie stars Colin Farrell, Rachel Weisz, Leah Sedu, Ben Wishaw, Olivia Coleman, and John C. Riley. It was directed by a Greek gentleman named Yorgos Lanthimos, I believe you pronounce his name, and he previously directed a very strange movie called Dogtooth, uh, produced by C.C. Dempsey, Ed Guini, Yorgos Lanthimos, Lee Megaday, written by, oh, here we go, wow. written by F. Thymus <laughs> Philippou, and Yorgos Lanthimos, and cinematography by Thymios Bakatakas. <laughs> That was good. S- some pretty hardcore names. Yeah. I'm pretending like I knew what I was saying. That was almost as bad as uh, Beasts of No Nation. That's right. That was, that pretty was good. a tough one. All right. So filming location. Uh, it was uh, Principal photography began on uh, March 24th, 2014 and concluded on the 9th of May in 2014. It took place primarily in Dublin, Ireland, which represents, quote unquote, the city in the film. And also at locations in and around County Kerry, including Sneem, Dromore, Woods and Kenmar in Ireland. So this is an Irish. Well, it was at least filmed in Ireland. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And some notes also. This is uh, let's see. An American company, Alchemy, acquired the film rights to the film, but after experiencing serious financial problems, they had to sell the rights, causing a slight delay in the release. Which makes sense, seeing as it yeah. was filmed in 2014 and didn't even get released until 2015, and now a wide release here in two years later. Yeah. 2016. This film's had quite a journey. Yes, man. Yes. So what did you think about The Lobster? Well, I really liked it because I, I really like movies like this that are very obtuse looks at pretty common. I mean, the, the the central themes to this film are not too far off base. You know, we're not talking about like aliens and wacky stuff like that. This is dating and a really weird society look at like what society would be like if you had to, you were forced to not be single. Uh, but they're left and right. There's so much like symbolism in this film. It's almost unbelievable. But overall, I, re- I really enjoyed this film. Yeah, I think the fact that it is sort of like oddly grounded in reality and that we're, we're there again. Yeah, like you said, there's no aliens. There's nothing really otherworldly about it yet. At the same time, it feels otherworldly because it's totally absurd. Yeah. These people have to pick a mate based on these super super like these ridiculous superficial similarities like oh we both have a limp or you know we both can sing well stuff like that and that 
is all it takes in this society to supposedly make a good couple. And then, of course, Colin Farrell gets thrust into all this. And, you know, I, I don't remember if he's had a relationship in the past. I don't really recall if they I think he was a widow. Was it he a widower? He might have been. I know there's some characters in this who are. But, yeah, it, it's super bizarre, right? Yeah. yeah, it's a super bizarre thing. But, it yes, it, it, it uses this really strange story, this really strange setting to make some super powerful points about how people view relationships now in today's society and i don't think it's a spoiler to say this isn't a spoiler at all because if you watch the trailer it does show this that this movie kind of flips that's that premise on its head later in the movie where you see a group of people who punish people for being in relationships and it's sort of the other extreme so it sort of is critical of of both people who condemn relationships and then people who condemn being single and the, the pressures that come on to people and that's just kind of skimming the surface of how thematically interesting this movie is but besides that yeah it's it's strange which i personally like i think it's really well acted in sort of a strange deadpan wooden way and it's it's funny it's not laugh out loud funny but it's amusing it's like super this is so weird what you're seeing what they're saying is so strange that it's you can't help but kind of laugh at the absurdity of it yeah and it is it's so ridiculous and it keeps getting more and more ridiculous kind of until the plot kind of flips and even then still then that kind of deadpan takes over rachel weiss i thought was fantastic colin farrell again fantastic but it's so and the thing is is what i really liked about the first half of the film is they kind of established the the plot of of what's going on and then it kind of carries out in these very weird touches throughout the film like you'll be in a seasonal forest like a you know typical you know green leaves all that stuff and all of a sudden, like, uh, I don't even know. I can't remember what the animals were, but this bizarre, like a, an animal that has no business being in that forest will just walk by. Like a llama. Yeah, and you're like, Or oh. a camel, and they're in the middle of this wooded Ireland. Yeah. This and, woods in Ireland. And you'll just all, in my mind, and I realize, like, the second time I watched it, like, you see that, and you're like, oh, that's probably just a person that didn't find a, a mate. It makes totally, it totally well, makes sense to you. I that's th- so crazy. I even think that they imply that every animal in the world is a used single to be person. a human because there's a part where her former single person right they it's the the lines even in the trailer where she says you know that's why there's so many dogs because everyone wants to be a dog and there's less of other animals because people don't want to be them and that's why they're endangered so you get that sense and then so later when they're like hunting rabbits you're like was that a person yeah yeah and they're <laughs> you're right i didn't notice that until i watched it I, I watched it last night for the second time um as well and uh yeah, there's, there's a couple scenes where they're talking and all of a sudden a camel will walk by and it's like, what the hell? Why it's is that so there? strange. And, and everything's kind of like that, but they make it make sense. I think the city in in this film is another kind of strange, weird place. And it it's there's a lot of weird, like kind of science fiction stuff going on. But you mm-hmm. kind of ignore that because it's so based in reality. You right. know, this could be a future state possibly. Yep. But just, again, just the little little touches here and there that they did were... We're great. Right. Outside of the basic premise of having 45 days in this hotel to find a plot, they don't, they're not very explicit about things. So when they go to the city, they have these sort of police type people. If they see somebody alone, they'll ask them like, well, where's your, where's your partner? Do you have your certificate? Cause you need to prove that you're with somebody or you can be punished. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's kind of another interesting thing that again, feeds into the interesting thematic concepts in here. But another thing I wanted to talk about was like the look of this movie, right? It has a very kind of muted uniform look to it. Kind of like a mat. Right. Like a, yeah. It's it's sort of dull looking. Um, everything's very kind of gray uh, 
washed out. Even though it makes everybody look sort of pale. It, it, even when it's sunny out, it doesn't look particularly beautiful or exciting. Even the forest, which should be green and vivid, is sort of muted. And that yeah. sort of plays into how just superficial all these rules that this society has put on these people are. And I think that's great that they reflected that. And an interesting tidbit I read is that this was filmed using almost completely natural light, sort of like The Revenant, which is getting a lot of credit for being unique for that, which it certainly is in its own way. But uh, a lot of films are filmed using mainly natural light, and this is one of them. Yeah. And that I think that film was necessary, you know, to make kind of bringing it out the feel of this film. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I totally entertained by this not for again this is not a film probably not for everybody let's, right i'd let's like throw that out there right because i think it's it's fun here to talk be able to talk about a movie like the lobster after we talk about stuff like civil war which are fan you know fantastic films in a completely different way but yes this is definitely don't let any facebook advertising or some made for tv ad trick you into thinking this is some quirky romantic comedy which is what they're trying to do this is a strange film yeah it's super dry <laughs> A lot of people are going to be like, what the fuck? What am I watching? This is the stu- I can already see people saying this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. And I get it because it's so bizarre. Yeah, it's bizarre. And it, it takes different turns. The The plot itself is very ridiculous. But then it gets like flat out raunchy in spots. And violent. And violent. And there is some, yeah, there is some awkward sex stuff going on yeah, in this movie. <laughs> and just just everything is weird. It's weird. Everything is weird. The whole film was weird. But good. The thing is it worked. Yeah, that's the important part. At the end of the day, when you take all this stuff, you know, you could have rearranged this film in a certain way; it would have sucked, right? right? But they didn't. They put it together just right. You had the feel, the plot, everything just kind of matched. Yeah, and I think what's cool about it too is that you—I mean, at least me when I was watching this movie, I care. I like, I wanted to see where this went. Like, despite the guy being sort of lost and confused on what he's looking for or what's expected of him, that's sort of the point. So I was rooting for this guy. And uh, a situation he gets into later, it's like, well, I hope this works out. But then you see how just the way he's been taught his whole life, how he should act, how he should think, it's sort of contrary to his natural feelings. And so you want to see how it plays out. And that's pretty cool for a movie that comes off as just so wooden that you genuinely care about the characters. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And even the I was just thinking too the the hotel is weird. Like that's I think that's one of the most weird aspects of it. It's kind of this bizarre, uncomfortable place i kind of got that the second time around it doesn't the oh, yeah. be, the well they're forced to the be there i think that's always and i think that's one of the, the the one of the best points this movie is trying to make is that this hotel is only so big right so yeah. only so many people can be there at once and they're put in here and they have 45 days although there uh, we won't spoil it but there is a way you can earn more days to be there which is hilarious yeah <laughs> um you uh but they're forced to find somebody in 45 days so they're being paired with a finite number of people and given a time like after this amount of time you don't have any more time you you ran out of time you can no longer um find somebody and i think it's funny too that when it's not like you just magically turn into an animal there you don't you never see it happen but there's this ominous door with the the writing over the the room that says transformation room where they take people into right before they could turn into an animal yeah you never see what's going on in there but you know what's going on in there yeah uh but I think, I, yeah, I, I love this movie a lot. It was on my top 10 of last year, but I do think it, it isn't a perfect movie. I do think it's it, its artistic sensibilities maybe get the best of it Yeah. Um, from time to time. It definitely drags its feet at, at part, in parts. Um, it, it's a two hours long, and I can see a world where this is 
10 minutes shorter and maybe some of the scenes are are shortened up there's some slow-mo scenes of which while they're funny maybe they go on too long but I, I think maybe it's a bit too long but it's 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 i never wanted to turn it off or anything no not at all that was i it's kind of the same observations is that it does drag um but overall i mean i you know i didn't have any like major 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 qualms other than they do kind of let it you know i think they took it a little bit too far in in the artistic sense of trying to be kind of mm-hmm. you know i don't know they just kind of went overboard in certain spots it sort of felt Lars like if you know the filmmaker lars von trier elements in this sort of felt like he was channeling that i don't want to accuse any of the filmmakers of, of doing that consciously but it definitely sort of felt like, man, this is sort of reminiscent of some other stuff I've seen. Are they trying to appeal to that crowd by doing this? Yeah. But yeah, like you said, nothing major. Yeah. Nothing so, too major. What would you rate this though, one to ten? Um, I you know I I don't like giving that nine point five rating. I think that's what I gave Star Wars, and I think in retrospect I would give Star Wars a ten. Um, and this is a movie I I I just have to give a solid nine because I don't think it's perfect. I do think. You have to be in the right mood from this. This is just going to be flat out not the type of movie for a lot of people. But uh, yeah, for everything we've said, I think this is a super unique, creative, and just oddly funny and bizarre movie that I really like. So 9 out of 10 for me. Nice. And for me, I'd give it an 8.5. Okay. Because I think, uh, again, a down, slight downgrade because they did go a little too far with kind of the artistic feel of it. But again, i give it a shot if you're into to weird films. Yeah. Give it a try. I'm trying to think, like, if you're, I, I, I would have to think if you're into, like, Wes Anderson oh, mm, movies, you might, you might, you might like it. Maybe not as, like, out, the, the humor's not as obvious. I think, yeah, I think you definitely need to be in a place where you're, you're willing to see some really kind of dark, twisted stuff sort of just played out because it's R rated and very R rated. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It's a hard movie to, to recommend to a certain audience. I just think if you're curious, if you know that it's a different type of film uh, and, and that doesn't turn you off completely, definitely check this movie out. Yeah. If you hate it, turn it off. Because even I think, even think when you compare this film to Wes Anderson films, those are even like mainstream, I think. Right. Well, those yeah. are, yeah. And those are not by any means mainstream, I don't think. They, they just have way more of a, a, a more... Um, Acceptable. E- e- yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, an easier to digest sense of humor, uh, more quirky kind of positive messages and upbeat songs and stuff. And this doesn't have any of that really. Yeah. yeah. It's different. Maybe not. Hard to, yeah. Hard to, hard to recommend it to someone. So um, on to our high priority news items uh, Pacific Rim 2, getting a lot of headlines this week. Uh, they just announced that guess who? Star Wars superstar now john boyega is gonna he's been cast as the lead uh in the sequel to pacific rim that's right big news yeah because i you know we we talked about this before this this pacific rim 2 has not really been a guarantee that's going to exist it didn't even make its budget back domestically at least and uh, it made most of its money in uh, overseas from uh, other places than uh, the united states united states um so the fact that this seems to actually be happening when you make an announcement that somebody like John Boyega, who at this point almost everybody knows who he is thanks to Star Wars, right. um, when you make this announcement, I feel pretty safe knowing that this is going to ha- be happening, even though Guillermo del Toro isn't going to be directing or writing this. Um, Which is different for the... Yeah, and I'm okay with it because when I... I think we've talked about this before. When I think of Guillermo del Toro, I think of a very specific style of filmmaking. And Pacific Rim is sort of an outlier 
for him as a director where it isn't necessarily full of his trademarks and looks and feel. I think it's maybe more of a, a, a template visually and story-wise that another director could easily pick up and go running with. So that doesn't bother me very much. And this is exciting because I love John Boyega. I think he's awesome. Yeah, I think he's great. It'll be cool to see him outside of Star Wars. Right. Well, and if and you, it's going to be new for a lot of people. Yeah, and if you have, if you if you want to see him before he was even in, in Star Wars, everybody look up the movie Attack the Block, which is a, a UK film that came out a number of years before Star Wars, and uh, he's in that, and it's um, fantastic. It's a sci-fi horror comedy thing. It's got a lot of familiar British actors in it. Uh, nice. I can't believe it wasn't more popular when it came out because it is such a good film. But that was the first time I saw him, and seeing him now that he can do something like this is great. Yeah, and we did we did talk about this before because I remember that was when Stephen Denight was announced. Yep, because he previously did Spartacus. That's correct. In Star on the Star series, and yeah, that's it'll be interesting just all around. Yeah, I think Pacific Rim it, it, it wasn't a huge success. Obviously, financially, it was big enough as as success that they're trying it out again. I think maybe the main thinking here is that the movie is at least a cult hit. I think Pacific Rim remains a pretty popular movie. I personally really love it. I think it's it's a beautiful movie. It's action packed. It's just sort of a, a just a eye candy splash in the face. Um, so I'm ready for more. I thought it was it was great, and I think they're hoping that maybe the film has become more popular with DVD, Blu-ray sales, whatever. So. Yeah, and they'll market it, and they they even get the the nice little halo effect from having John Boyega attached too, which is kind of a mm-hmm. added bonus in Open there. It, putting a big name star in it. Yeah, because when Pacific Rim came out, there I don't really, I mean the uh, what's his name Charlie Hoonan from uh, Sons of Anarchy was the lead. Uh, Idris Elba was also in it. Who apparently John Boyega is playing his son in uh, Pacific Rim too, but um. John Boyega is certainly a big enough star that I think a lot of people will go to see this just because he's in it. At least I like to hope so. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's kind of, and we talked about this off air, but it is quite insane, his his rise to stardom. Yeah. Because one film, and this is how the movies work, you know, one film can make you a, at least temporary star. It's not permanent, obviously. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, that'll be interesting. Well, I'm sure it'll make possibly movie of the week. We'll see. Oh, my God. That's years away. Yet, years probably. away. Maybe. Yeah, he's got other Star Wars movies to film yet. Wow. And uh, the other, speaking of Star Wars, mm-hmm. uh, Rogue One, a Star Wars story, massive reshoots. Mm-hmm. Forty, Right around 40% of the film is apparently being reshot. Rumors flying every which way. Mm-hmm. The, Craziness. The initial rumor of this was that they did a, a test screening of the first cut of the movie, and it was very poorly received. The studio, Disney is being very ardent in saying, we did not preview this for anybody. It is very typical for especially big blockbuster movies like this to have reshoots. So that doesn't make me too nervous, but 40%, if that's accurate, that's more, significantly more than is normally reshot. So I have to think, what are they changing? What what didn't the studio or the producers like about what they were doing with this? And we both talked about Rogue One. It's it's definitely a different, the first kind of un, truly unique Star Wars movie in that we're not seeing an episode. We're seeing sort of an offshoot of 
uh, you know, before A New Hope, the original Star Wars film. Um, yeah, it's a totally new concept. Right. And, and I, you know, we had the sense that it was a, a much darker and grittier film. And I'm I'm hoping that they didn't see that and be, and, and be like, well, it doesn't have all the cheeky humor that The Force Awakens happened or had. It didn't have this and that. So I hope they're not trying to make it feel more like the other movies. But it's this is all rumors, so it's so hard to say yeah. anything. And even the like, quote unquote, confirmed reports—they're not really confirmed. They're va- and they're, they're super it's, vague. It's very too. vague. And for all we know, this could just be going into a reshoot that was already planned. Well, and, and and there would have been reshoots, no matter regardless, what. regardless. Yeah. So. But the 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 one piece of information I thought interesting here was how they're bringing in Tony Gilroy to assist as a second unit director. Uh, and a second unit director in a major film is they're they're off shooting, quote unquote, smaller scenes, um, that aren't necessarily the the main parts, but the, it just makes the filming more efficient for a big film. But Tony Gilroy, he wrote and directed Michael Clayton, which was a a political thriller that came out ugh, almost a decade ago. I want to say, wow. very highly regarded. He's been involved in a lot of great movies since then as well. So that that gives me hope that they're not going to take away from the sort of grittiness that I'm hoping this story has. But again, this is just all rumor at this point. Yeah. And no one except the people on the inside knows like the truth. Yeah. Nothing can make me not excited for this movie. No, no. And, and again, re- reshoots are just part of it. Again, if you really, really, really want to read into this, I, I really don't be too horribly worried. Yeah. I, I wouldn't. Well, and I'm, it's funny. I'm on a, a Star Wars group on Facebook and there's been some people who are just panicking over this and there's people who are just condemning disney for ruining this movie already and this and that and just pump the brakes let's just wait for the movie to come out um i I, yeah it's just it's definitely interesting that if this rumor that they're shorting out shooting almost half the movie again that's strange and it makes me think either something went wrong or they really had a lot of gaps to fill in or they really didn't like what they were seeing and they felt like they had to reshoot a lot of it yeah who knows? We won't know until the, the movie we actually see it. That's right. And this this kind of ties into like every Star Wars film, and I'm guessing this is going to be the par for the course for every Star Wars film to come. Is kind of the rumor mill that's attached to it. Yeah, because it's a big a big part of it. Because when there, yeah, there's so much secrecy around these movies. Yeah, and I remember the like satellite or drone images with Episode Seven. Like, oh look at that! It's such and oh they remodeled the. The such and such fight, and it was just like these are God knows who, what that is. You know? Oh right, and that's when I when I first heard that. Oh, there was an early stu- uh, an early uh, test screening for audiences. I was like, no, there wasn't. Yeah, they're they're keeping these movies under such tight uh, quarters that there's no way the public is going to get any glimpse of this movie until opening night. Yeah, and it was the same way with the Force Awakens. It opened up. It had its world premiere like three days before it opened. Uh, to everybody and now you look at movies like x-men or uh, uh, captain america civil war those movies open like two three weeks before they opened in the, the u.s they were open in europe already yeah that doesn't happen with star wars it's not going to because yeah when you open when you really think about it when you open a film super early you kind of puncture the hull and it starts starts taking on water and oh, it, yeah that's... you can go on wikipedia and read the whole plot and yeah. if you don't like what you read you don't go see it and... and at that point and by star wars not doing that they're keeping that intact until the very last minute i remember star wars the the last one it was sold out here i think for pretty much the first two weeks yeah i mean i bought tickets 
in October, like two months before it opened. And I remember when I went to the theater, there was like news people there interviewing fans and stuff. It was insane. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. It's going to be like that for every film moving forward. Not every, I shouldn't say every Star Wars film. Yeah. Not That'll be interesting film. to talk about th- with this particular movie, how we think it's going to do. I don't think it's going to do Force Awakens money because I think there's still a lot of confusion on what this movie is and when it takes place. I think people are going to be m- much more reactive to it. They're going to wait to see like, what very much taken. Yeah, I'm sure you're going to see the Rotten Tomatoes score. Kind of, yeah. you know, well, well, it's an 80, whatever. If it, yeah, if it, if it gets good reviews. Yeah, who knows? I've been seeing that a lot more, though, with movies. Like, on their Facebook pages, they'll have, like, 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. That was, yeah, when the, the nice guys yeah, like, on their Facebook on. page it had in big, bold numbers, this has a 91%. It's like, well, so does The Lobster. And 90% of people who see it who aren't used to weird movies are going to be like, what is this? Yeah. This is the worst. It's all relative. Yeah, you just got to, you know, my recommendation to anybody, if you're a casual movie fan or a hardcore one, is always at least read a little bit about the movie you're going to see. So I don't have to hear when people go see Deadpool, I had to take my three-year-old son out of the theater. <laughs> why Why don't they warn us? I mean, I don't, hearing crap like that just baffles me. It's like how, how I mean, how ignorant and how, how, just how disconnected do you have to be? As right. I understand that for a lot of people, movies are just an escape and that's fine. But I mean, you still need to be aware of what you're exposing yourself and your family to. You need to at least have a general understanding of. And there's so many genres and movies that comes out all the time. Just look it up. Yeah, look it up. Read about it. Yeah. Almost everyone has a smartphone. You can look it up on there. Yeah. So on to By the Numbers, our weekly segment where we review the top five grossing movies in America and the occasional flops that do occur in modern cinema. Yes, sir. Do you want to go first or should I go first? You can go first. I'll go first. Number five is the Angry Birds movie from Sony. Uh, This past week it grossed a total of $10.2 million, bringing its total gross to $87.1 million on a $73 million budget. Congratulations. You're in the green. Boom. Boom. Very exciting. So number four is Alice Through the Looking Glass, which made $11.3 million on its second weekend with a total of 51.3 million on a 170 million dollar budget so not so good this is a flop yeah disney's first big flop of the year i think yeah i think they just released this at the wrong time or they overestimated how much interest there was in it i don't know man yeah I, i'm and again I'm, i don't want to say i'm unfit because that makes me sound like a total illiterate but i i just the story and the way they marketed it. Oh, it doesn't connect. even matter if you've read Through the Looking Glass or not because I the first movie had so little to do with the book. It doesn't even matter. You have the characters and sort of the basic thing, but really the the the, the first movie of this that came out what is it five or something years ago, it was almost a sequel to the original Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, and and I, so I don't know what kind of similarities this have has to the novels, but I think also with Alice in Wonderland, people forget that. You are never going to get uh, like a totally accurate representation of that novel because for the most part, Alice in Wonderland is a satire. Yeah. It was a political satire of the time it was written and that will not translate. It won't. So, yeah. Didn't Tim Burton, isn't he, is it this his movie too? He didn't direct or this he one. Didn't direct, yeah. He directed the first one though. Yeah. Because then he has kind of a following. Yeah. I think if he would have directed that, they would have made a bigger deal out of it. Yeah. I don't know. Meh. 
And number three this week is Me Before You from Warner Brothers. It grossed a total of $18.7 million in its very first week on a $20 million budget. Pretty good first week mm-hmm. for this film. Uh, typical love story. It's got what's-her-face from Game of Thrones in it. Khaleesi? I'm just kidding. What's her name? Amelia Clark. Yeah. Yeah. I always like to say Khaleesi. Yeah. That's not, this but... is the kind of movie I like to watch on Netflix. Yeah. And that's probably, honest to God, that's probably where it's going to end up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. Cool. But yeah, it's going to make its, its money back for sure. Um, so number two then this week uh, is X-Men Apocalypse, which made $22.8 million with kind of a, you see a 65.3% drop from the week before. So a total of just a hair under $117 million. It made 100, so far it's made $116.9 million in the U.S. on a pretty big $178 million budget. Um, so maybe it's not doing the insane numbers they were hoping, but it's still doing well. And didn't you go see this movie this weekend? No. X-Men Apocalypse? Oh, yeah, I did. I thought, oh, never mind. I thought we were on number one. No, I did see this movie, and yeah, I just, for me, and again, I kind of had to think, and this is very strange because I really like the X-Men series, as does my wife. We went to see it together. And we really weren't like, yeah, let's go see that movie. And I, I can't figure out why. Mm. And I think that has to do with the... Pretty There's low, just low so gross. Many comic book movies coming out. It's like it, mind boggling. It's like hard to keep up with them. And I feel like I'm still seething from Civil War, so I don't want to go out and see another big one. You know? Yeah. And I think there, there's going to be kind of because these are such big money makers. Naturally, the the studios are going to pump these things out. But I think fans are going to get worn out. I know that going to see this movie. And again, I won't, I'm not reviewing it here, but when I saw it, I was kind of like, well, you know, and I kind of had these other films in the back of my mind because I've seen them. But yeah, I think the low gross is kind of a, it's attributed to a lot of things, but this is not 116. I know that sounds like a lot, but that's pretty disappointing. Yeah. It's really series. It's really not as big as I I think that, I mean, they might even have trouble breaking even domestically with how much it's dropped yeah and we got some big time movies coming out in the next couple of weeks yeah major but and then yeah i feel almost feel bad for the superhero movies that are coming up but i think that's why you're seeing these far out you know release dates because of this mm-hmm. this is the reason so number what was number, number one Number one is a film i didn't see but i was sitting there thinking like oh it might go but no but it's a teenage mutant uh, ninja turtles out of the shadows from paramount pictures uh, the number one movie grossed $35.3 million in its very first week, uh, which is its gross on a budget of $135 million. So here we go. So it may be number one this week, but by no means can we say that this movie is a success. <laughs> no, because they, they have a lot, big ladder. They are. Line. There's no way they're going to make that budget back. No. And they, mean, they were very – and that's one that I was looking at thinking their their first movie did so well. Because it was marketed, and I think people just—it's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you know. It's kind of a lost. Yeah, I don't know. Thing, you know, but. Yep. Eh. So I mean, it is number one, but I not thirty-five million on that big of a budget is not the the, the best they could have hoped for. And there's some pretty big, fairly big films coming out next week we have with Warcraft, Warcraft, The Conjuring, and Conjuring. Now You See Me Too. Yep. Those those three have a following, and then the week after that. Yeah, more. This is summer. Yeah, you gotta dude. come. You gotta come with your A game. This is maybe the most cutthroat 
movie summer we've had in forever there's yeah. so many big movies and, and it's not gonna stop until and there's fall. a lot of twos like the second movie you know and yeah. if sequels man yeah and sequels work or they don't we have two we have let's see let's see alice through the looking glass is a sequel x-men is a sequel mm-hmm. teenage mutant ninja turtles is a sequel and if you go down the list to number six civil war is a sequel neighbors two is a sequel then we have a movie that flopped big time pop star yeah. never stop never stopping the andy sandberg joint i don't know how they got there. the budget isn't listed here but for that not that was never gonna work yeah i don't know yeah, i heard it was pretty good though i do want to see it and then yeah, yeah okay yeah but lots of sequels man yeah that's something they might want to i think we're, we're we're it'll be fun to see how warcraft performs and even that isn't a totally original material i mean that's based on a, an extremely popular video game series yeah it's yeah it's so and we do this week after week and it's it's so cutthroat yeah like film you you get like if you're a big time massive release in reality you get two weeks to shine Mm-hmm. it's a bummer yeah well unless you're something like the jungle book or captain america which were like number one for like five weeks then you're in the in the bank yeah yeah jungle book was mind-blowing but I don't think anything here, and even move, even next week, Warcraft. I won't be surprised if that bombs mm-hmm. it domestically at least. I won't be surprised if Now You See Me Two, even if even if any of these mo- those, I'm sure either The Conjuring Two, Now You See Me Two, Warcraft, and one of those will be number one next week. But I don't think they'll stick around very long. Yeah, because then the week after, it's like two weeks after the, the uh, Independence Day. Yeah, and which, that's that's. I think that's going to make more than most of these movies. Yeah. I'm ex- I'm more excited for that than anything Who else. Under when that movie, if you look at when the original Independence Day was released, like 1997 or so something like that. Those people who were between eight and twelve at that time had a huge connection to that movie. Me, dude, I that movie Me. was a big deal when it came out. Yeah, I watched that movie every year uh, around July 4th with my family for like a decade. <laughs> and I shouldn't say eight to twelve. I should probably say like eight to eighteen. Yeah, you know and. You think about that plus it was in what 1996 or 99 sometime between 96 and 2000 i th- i'm gonna google it okay you have the technology. So plus 16 years any anyone that's it's kind of almost got that kind of a little piece of that star wars following not quite as heavy well you know what and there's a lot of, to say about that star wars connection because 1996 was three years before the phantom menace came out and at that time it had it had been what 13 years since a star wars movie and those star wars movies really were sort of the mecca of the of the um science fiction realm right yeah we had star trek none of those star trek movies were mega hits a lot of them are are, are pretty entertaining but they were never mega hits and there's very few if any major franchises independence they sort of filled that gap that yeah. science fiction alien explosion gap that star wars was missing so it'll be fun to see how independence day resurgence uh, performs yeah i'm i'm excited to see it dude yeah me too in 3d i think that's gonna be a good yeah. 3d movie see, that's the hopefully kind, that's the kind of movie you just gotta see in theaters you gotta see it yeah it's gonna be even if it's not the best movie like you're gonna see some awesome stuff exploring. and no matter how big your tv is it's not gonna be the same no way dude it's not gonna yeah it's not gonna be as big you as that like movie. a 90 inch tv it's not gonna compare to a, a freaking wall yeah see Liter- literally much anymore like literally a wall that's that movie in beautiful HD. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's by the numbers, the weekly segment, top five. A couple flops, two flops. 
Yeah. Yeah. Rest in, rest in peace, Alice in Wonderland. R.I.P. And, and, and the turtles. I'll pour one out for you later. Homie. I won't. I don't want to waste won't. it. Yeah, it's true. We'll go get a Colt 45 or something for that. <laughs> All right. When we come back, we're going to listen to our album of the week, Animals by Pink Floyd, and you will be hearing uh, music from that album in this break. So Weekly Neurosis will be right back. I'm Nate. I'm Ethan. And this is Album of the Week. And this week, to fit our animal theme, is the album Animals by Pink Floyd. Uh, The background on this is this was released in 1977 and is Pink Floyd's 10th studio album. It was released after their two wildly successful hits, Dark Side of the Moon and Wish You Were Here. Uh, During this time, Pink Floyd saw unprecedented commercial and critical success, success, which is believed to be the reason that this particular album showcased a significant change in the style and tone for the band. Animal is is a concept album with a influences from infamous or sorry, George Orwell novel Animal Farm and shares many conceptual similarities. The album is noticeably darker than their previous albums and is thematically... Uh, wait a second. Thematically critical of capitalism by showcasing the Orwellian concepts of class differences. Uh, Recording and production notes. In 1975, the band bought a three-story block of church halls in London, which they refurbished to be a massive recording studio, where they spent most of of 1976 recording this album. The five songs on this album were originally unrelated pieces of music, which they reworked lyrically to fit into one fluid concept. The album is is further notorious for being almost completely creatively controlled by the band's bass guitarist, Roger Waters. The band's tours in support of this album famously caused lots of issues with the band who felt with the band who felt alienated from their fans as they gained more popularity. Woo, little history lesson. That was awesome. Yeah, I wrote all that because I felt like classic album you know drop some details you got to drop and not to mention there's more knowledge about this i could have album i could have written a like a like five pages about this album and all the the tidbits about it but we should just do that sometime just Just sit and read a wikipedia page all it would be so ethan what did you what do you think about this album all right well okay i'm a big pink floyd fan right i mean when i look at me as a as a music fan the when I heard Pink Floyd, it was they, it was a big deal. Dark Side of the Moon, Wish You Were Here, uh, Metal. Those were really the albums of theirs that 
I connected with a lot. And I remember, I mean, when I was younger, I would go to the, the you know, exclusive company, which is a local uh, music shop or Walmart, even where when they still sold a lot of CDs, which I'm sure they still do. This was always an album that I passed up, even though I loved Pink Floyd, because I always looked at the back and saw that there was only five songs. And I was like, that's stupid. Yeah. And I would always just put it back. And I bought it once and I listened to it and I was like, I'm insane because, yeah, it's only five songs, but three of them were like over 10 minutes long. So this is definitely a full length album, but uh, I digress because this album, it's great. I mean, it's a classic Pink Floyd album. It's really them sort of at the peak of their popularity right before they did The Wall. Um, you definitely see the more kind of negative, almost nihilistic, um, pessimistic viewpoints of Roger Waters bleed through because, yeah, he, he did have a lot of control over this album. Uh, lyrically and in all that um well i i personally i don't quite connect with this album emotionally like i do with a lot of other pink floyd albums that and the wall i both kind of have that issue with i do think musically and creatively this is one of their best albums and it's by all means a classic even though it isn't it's not as accessible because the songs are so long there's really no radio friendly material here which was sort of an issue when the album first came out as well but uh i mean this is one i've listened to I don't even know, hundreds of times. It's a it's a great album. It's a classic album, uh, and it's one I really enjoy. Yeah. I feel, and if if you listen to this, and I think I, I said this off air, you can, if you just listen to this whole album very closely, you don't have to so much as, like, read the lyrics, but just listen to, like, the guitar riffs and the drums and even some of the lyrics. This is, like, kind of a, a cradle album, like, mm-hmm. in terms of the cradle of what rock and roll became. And it's that's the thing that really amazed me. I've probably listened to this album. It's got to be in the single digits. Okay. But I remember as a kid, and this is total digression, but I always thought that the album reminded me of Sim City, like the old school Sim City, like how the buildings would look, the cover of it, because oh, it's like yeah. this kind of it's a factory famous cover, with a pig flying, and it's like I was I always thought that was like the weirdest thing. But yeah, I, I've you know I listened to this album when I was very young, didn't understand it. But now listening to it again, I mean, each song is almost each, and this is, might be incorrect, but like five songs kind of comb together and work together into that 10-minute sequence. Right, because the the three main songs in here are dogs, pigs, and sheep, um, obviously fitting for the, the thing. If, you know, if you've read Animal Farm, you, you sort of understand those archetypes as well, but the song Dogs, which is the first long song in here, is very much sort of about the the battered if you lyrically speaking it's sort of about the battered soldier who fought for their their beliefs and all this stuff and you know at the end of their life they're sort of left out in the cold but they're still loyal and it's kind of sad and all that i mean it's a very very negative viewpoint of something like that the song pigs is the pigs are sort of in control right they're the in, in this story at least they are the ones who are in power that they are the ones who instill fear they are the ones who distribute goods this and that and then the last song the last long song on here at least is sheep which is about just the common people the people who follow this person or that person and yeah again it's it's a neg- it's a very critical album of political ideologies it's maybe a little bit too on the nose and i think if there's anything negative i have to say and this is just for me personally i have no no criticisms for the, the album being so dark I think what it does, it does well. But for me personally, my favorite Pink Floyd stuff is the really inspiring, introspective sort of. There, there's always been a dark edge to Pink Floyd, but this was overtly dark. Yeah, L- lyrically especially. Um, 
And I think that maybe was sort of a turnoff for me when I first heard this album. But musically, it's just, it's amazing. Yeah. Oh, it's, totally. It's an amazing album. The totally. songs are long. They're intricate. There's guitar solos. There's The production is fantastic. It's multi-layered. They play with different sound effects and, and uh, experimental psychedelic stuff going on. It's maybe a little bit more, I've always kind of thought of this album as being a little bit more sort of sharp, a little bit more acoustic sounding and, and less sort of psychedelic and ethereal like wish you were here it's just a little bit more it's a little bit more in your face right and that's lyrically and in the sound yeah and i and another thing that blew my mind is just the sound of it and how yeah that's a good way to put it because it is very sharp it's very clean but it was produced in 1977 their bands now almost 40 that's nuts 40 years almost 40 years later that More can't... than forty years. No, it's oh, just, I can't do just math. under almost thirty nine. Right. But it, they can't produce a sound this clean, and they they were probably recording in you know let's be honest, not the best equipment because we know now. Well, the best of the time. Yeah, and uh, so I mean they, they were wild. They were so popular and successful that they had pretty unlimited um things, but unlimited uh, production quality. But yeah, the technology they were using is not on it's different it was analog technology yeah but just and uh yeah again the sound effects kind of i like the sound effects that were kind of woven in with like the dogs barking and mm-hmm. and just everything and they tie everything together which it was just incredible right because the song dogs again it's sort of about that 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 old left that patriotic so, so to say uh, person who's sort of left in the dust but they still remain true to what they believe in um it has that sort of sad fleeting feel there's lots of repetition and and quieter moments but the song the song pigs is more authoritative it's more in your face and sheep i think has my favorite guitar solos and guitar work on the whole album and it's maybe a little bit more upbeat and everything but yeah that each song bleeds into one another as pink floyd is known for especially in this part of their career and yeah it's it's kind of a weird looking back it's kind of an odd album for pink floyd because they're it, it really of all their wildly successful albums at the peak of their career this is definitely the weirdest one yeah Ugh. but still again I, I go back to that the concept of this like if you listen to even and it sounds almost like kind of minute but if you listen to even just little two little notes on this album it you can trace that to now yeah and it's very evident if you just sit down and listen to the you know the whole thing but incredible it's almost tough to rate this yeah um yeah it is tough to rate it because like i said it's not i see why a lot of i mean a lot of people think this is i've heard a lot of pink floyd fans say this is their favorite and i can't disagree with that i get it for me it's not personally my favorite i i think it's a little bit harder to relate to than i than i I, their other music is but it's hard to really criticize it for that because that's it's totally honest and it's roger waters really putting his beliefs out there um but i mean for me i I give it a nine out of ten because while i think it's a great album and it's certainly an all-time classic if you're interested in rock and roll history um, i wouldn't start here if you've never listened to pink floyd before i don't think this isn't the best album to start with but it's one of the ones you i I mean you start with something like dark side of the moon probably then you go to wish you were here maybe metal this is like then the top five pink floyd albums for me um, so I give it a solid nine out of ten, but by all means, musically and historically, this is a ma- this is a masterpiece. This is a classic yeah. album, and I thought it would be fun to talk about an album like this because 
I think it it kind of fits oddly with the lobster as well, which very yeah, a very obtuse look at well, right, because what they were doing almost well, yeah. right, because I think if you look at the whole George Orwell Animal Farm stuff, I think there's a lot of influence in the lobster about this rigid society with rules and how that affects different people and how they think and feel and what they can and can't do. I think they really fit together well, so I thought it was kind of a fun pick because they are both super serious and dark looks at people and how we order things yeah that's very true i didn't mean to step on that what is your (laughs) sort of overall uh rating and stuff for this album i'd give it a nine and that's i have to say that this is one of those albums i'm going to give more of a personal rating i know i'm trying to grade things for you the listener to possibly go out and listen to but i i just I, i love this i just did everything is from the fact it's almost like you can trace the lineage of rock and roll to what it is now to just how masterfully it was put together. Classic. Yeah, it's cra- It's really crazy to think of a, of a band making such kind of straightforward rock and roll songs in this crazy way. And there's very few groups nowadays that can pull something like this off and be as popular. And I think that speaks to, to the artists themselves. Because I think as a band, these these individuals were massively talented. Oh, yeah. Massively just gifted. Nick Mason, Richard Wright, David Gilmore, Roger Waters. I mean, they they were the best of the best at the time. And they've lost two of the four. Yes. Isn't it? Founding members, and they picked someone up. Uh, that, I mean, they go? haven't toured together in... A long time. They did like a... Well, um, if you... Um, there, Sid Barrett was one of the founding members of Pink Floyd, and he actually left the band pretty early. And yeah, he he did pass away not too long ago. But I want to say that yeah, Richard Wright passed away in two thousand eight, um, and I believe Nick Mason and Rick, uh, Richard Wright was their keyboardist. And Nick Mason, I'm sorry, I don't want to say that he died, but I I just feel like he he I think I remember reading that he did. I'm frantically. I like, the, I like the whispers about death. Uh, actually, he is still alive. So uh, Richard Wright is. I mean, because yeah, Sid Barrett was one of the founding members, but he left the band pretty early. Okay. But uh, yeah, at this time, Richard Wright is one of the only sort of core members of Pink Floyd who's passed away. But uh, famously, not long after this, into the wall where these these very negative. I, I use that word as nicely as possible. This very pessimistic look at society and this sort of, but bad vibes that Roger Waters got with the fans of Pink Floyd that really caused drift between David David Gilmour and Roger Waters creatively and they had a big falling out in the 80s and they have not played a concert together since yeah there was a big legal battle over who got the name of Pink Floyd and all that but um yeah it's kind of a bummer yeah bands are tough because it's like these super artistic personalities that you have to kind of Right. Keep in line. Well, and then for... you get you, when you get to the the monumental success they had when you when you're in creative control of an album like this. Like, I, I mean, after Dark Side of the Moon and Wish You Were Here, they knew this was going to be a huge album. And while this album, I don't think there was a whole lot. I mean, creatively, while I think Roger Waters had most to do with it, I don't think they cared that much. I think they were on board with what they were doing. I think it's more with the wall where creatively they started to feel alienated. And when you're that massively popular. And you know that you're sort of not doing what you want to be doing. It's got to run deep yeah. in your psyche. Yeah. And I think that's sort of why the band fell apart. Yeah. It's tough. 
Yeah. Tough business. Cutthroat. We've said cutthroat before. But yeah, this this album is just kind of a cool thing. It is four times. It is in the charts certified as four times platinum. Which so, is impressive. Which is amazing. Yeah. So on to our high priority news items. Um, just a side note on this because I think this is pretty phenomenal. But Radiohead's layoff was just recently ended with the, with their um, tour and also their album release but abba that's a b b a for all you youngsters <laughs> just announced if you don't know who abba is don't know who they are they're, they're gonna perform live for the first time since 1986 30 years which is about as long as i've been on this earth that's amazing so that is crazy and are yeah. they all even alive yeah that's the other incredible part well so they're they've got it and i i said i said this about um Clint Eastwood. What was this movie with like the Koreans or the the Hmong? Uh, Gran Torino. Yeah, my mm-hmm. somebody. I watched that film with my dad, and somebody asked me like, "What did you think of that movie?" And I was like, "It was wa- like watching Clint Eastwood as a corpse." Jesus. And that's how I described it. The movie's like, like ten years old because he's, he's so like raw, just like I'm at the end of life, like just. <laughs> oh my God. And that's why I feel like this is gonna be like they they've got to be old. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, Old Abba's a time. classic, and yeah. I mean, people love him, but this, I feel like this is a concert you, you go to. You've been performed since 1986. I can't see. I don't want to, I mean, I just can't see. Are they, can they sing anymore? What is that? How long does, have they been creatively active in all that yeah. time? Or have they been and I get singing? That, and I get they have they have hits that will last a lifetime. Oh, they you have know, a like dozen. Dancing Queen is, Mama everyone Mia, knows Mamma Mia. Fernando. Yep. Yeah, dude. I mean, they're one of those bands that even if you don't know who ABBA is, you know their music. You know their music. And it's a long time. It's interesting. To not perform. And, but my biggest thing is the vocals because your vocal cords do yeah. fall apart. Well, that's my main thing is do they are they actually going to sound good? Because they, they were great singers and they harmonized perfectly and they worked so well with one another. Can they recreate the magic? Yeah. Otherwise, it'll all be so canned and digitally redone that it'll just be terrible it's just auto-tuned super <laughs> oh no <laughs> no i think they'll i honestly I, I think they probably have been training i hope so and exercising and they'll probably be exercise. good <laughs> just exercising in the lap pool that's what they're doing oh, no. no water okay. yoga <laughs> the other one another person who's recovering michael buble this is kind of a cool story. Yeah, this is a cool my, story. My mother actually told me about this because she's a big Michael Bublé, Michael Bublé fan. I think he's awesome. Yeah, right? I do too. For what he does. Me and Bernadette both love Michael <laughs> Michael Bublé. Oh, goodness. But yeah, I mean, he's the... If you don't know who Michael Bublé is, he's sort of a... He's a singer. Like he's a, he's kind of like a modern Frank Sinatra. Right. He's got that whole thing going for him yeah. where it's all the showbiz, big band music, big show tunes and all that big personality. But... uh. What's the story here? I thought this was kind of an interesting story. This is cool. He um, had a high stakes vocal cord surgery, right? And apparently, it was not not the smoothest. Well, it, and it's a surgery where it's not necessarily one you go into knowing if you because he had to have it done because of what they found in his. It would have been, I believe, it was precancerous, so he had to have the surgery done. But it's a type of surgery where you don't know if your vocals are the same afterwards. And with somebody like, like Michael Bublé, where that's literally your whole life's blood, that's everything you do, that's fingers crossed. 
and apparently it was a success and his voice voice is going to be totally totally unchanged and he's going to be able to start singing and touring and stuff again so i thought it was kind of a good good positive happy story for a young artist like that yeah and every his music is very upbeat. I don't think it's hard to have like a negative reaction to him. Yeah, if you're like I hate Michael Bublé, it's like you should just dude, just, just look at yourself yeah. in the mirror and be like, what happened? What happened? What happened to me? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I was I was kind of I was happy to see that story. Yeah, because I, I like a lot of his a lot of his music. Granted, he does a lot of covers. Right, but you right. can't knock him for it because right. that's his style. Yeah, most of his his. his his big hits were have actually been covers but yeah my my mother again she told me about this and i was like oh man because when she had told me he he hadn't recovered from the surgery so there was no news yet and i was like oh man that sucks and then i randomly saw yesterday and i was looking for news that uh he'll be he'll be great i was like oh that warms my heart up yeah makes me happy nice little nice little warm ending and so nobody died yeah, well, right. people did, but we didn't talk he about them this week. We didn't do any RIPs because those are kind of it's downers. It's too many. Nobody wants to hear. Can't that. keep up with that. Kimbo slice, RIP. <laughs> yeah, recipes, Kimbo. Yeah, gonna miss him. So, Ethan, what are you obsessed about right now? Um, I wrote down podcasts because I have, I mean, I I listen to a lot of podcasts a lot, like a lot, a lot, but um, lately I've been like exclusively listening to podcasts. Usually when I'm at work, which I, I can listen to music, I can have my headphones on uh, when I'm doing certain tasks and everything. And, you know, usually I'm switching it up like 50, mu- 50% music, 50% podcast. But for like two or three weeks, I've been like podcast 100% of the time outside of an album here and there. So I, I haven't, it's not that I've discovered anything new. It's just that there was a couple that I stopped listening to that I'm catching up on and just in the mood for that. Nice. Yeah. How are you? Well, for me, um, kind of like three things one is uh euro 2016 so the european football championships and or soccer championships um the other is obviously the beer bacon and cheese fest because i think that's going to be a blast new glarus is a pretty great it's like i want a beer that has bacon and cheese in it they probably have that if not that's like come on you guys we'll make figured it. this out yet? Otherwise, we'll buy a beer, buy some cheese, and buy bacon, and we'll just, just do it ourselves. Just smash it up into mush. And... Oh, true. Oh. Ugh. And then, oh, what was my third? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no. And my third thing was also soccer-related, was the, the current transfer market, which for those of you that are unfamiliar, most people can relate to the NFL. You're only saying that because I'm giving you this confused, like, confused look. But no, think of it this way um because everyone loves football in soccer and every off season there's like a 90 day window you can literally purchase if you have enough money you can purchase any player so if, if you think about that in terms of like american football for us packer fans a team like the bears could have a whole stack of money and they could just come into the packers and they they'll say we'll pay 80 million dollars for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers say oh sure and then Aaron Rodgers is just gone or in football's case 80 million francs <laughs> 80 million francs <laughs> or whatever the heck they or use Euro, they euros it's mostly euros, euros. and pounds yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the two big currencies what else but do they have over there do they have any weird those... ones because Germany used to be francs right yeah, but they're, they're euros, euros now and most of it's euros because the euro zone got created but pounds stayed consistent good old American dollars and you see some of that too, because there's some MLS guys that get. What's that mean? Major League Soccer. It's American, <laughs> America. But no, it's it's a crazy time because the amount of money that's spent is just 
mind-boggling, and it's on human beings that can play. You and your you and your soccer hooligan ways. <sighs> it's like the dark horse in our relationship. It is, yeah, <laughs> it is. But it's I, I love it to death. But it's it's an exciting time. But yeah. yeah, that's what I'm obsessed about. I've been seeing you know how Facebook shoves crap down your throat. Every time I go on there, it's like showing me the score of some soccer game or something where it'll be like usa has this many points this team has this many or goals well, yeah copa america's okay copa, that's, uh, yeah that must be what that is because i'm like i don't know what this is why is this happening yeah. but it must be pretty big if they're if they're doing i think that. it is because it's like north america south america and i know the olympics are just around the corner so that'll be fun to talk about yeah that too because that's a that's a cool time uh time of year we should do like a special olympic episode where we kind of cover all the you know, I would love that. That'd be sweet. Yeah, because I never had like I always want to watch the Olympics, but I never do. And I feel we like... should we should only talk about like the minute sports because there's so many like these weird sports that that I had no idea are actually an Olympic sport. Huh. Cool. Like badminton and I think ping pong is still an Olympic sport. No way. I think so. That's amazing. It's gotta be. And then, yeah, just all these little tiny minute sports that nobody ever knows about. Ping pong, dude. Force Gump. Yeah. Or <laughs> he got he gets sponsored. China. Oh. I remember him playing against that Chinese guy in the movie, and then he wins. Yep. Uh, Force Gump. <sighs> I hate that movie. The greatest movie of you this. Get out of generation. your own. Get out of your own house. Leave. All right. Well, this has been the the animal episode. It was good. It's been fun. Yeah, I think we. Yeah. Yeah, it was a it was a rock. Do we know what we're ta- we know at least partially what we're talking about next week, right? Warcraft, right? Warcraft. We're gonna see, we're gonna go to see the Warcraft. See what that whole business is all about. And I, well, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe I've never. None of neither of us have ever once played Warcraft. But we should say that if for some reason we choose not to see Warcraft, we'll see The Conjuring Two. Which right? I'm just as excited about. I think I'm more excited for The Conjuring 2, but I'm more curious about Warcraft. Ooh. You know what I mean? We might, have to, we might have to flip a quarter this weekend. Or maybe we both go see different ones. No, I want to see them both, so let's not do that. Double movie feature? That's crazy, man. Crazy talk. <laughs> but if we do Warcraft, I would. we don't have an album picked out, but I would imagine it would be something like Amon Amarth, where it's like marching into battle with a war hammer. Viking metal. Yeah, dude. We'll find something. We'll it'll, do it. We'll it, figure it out. It'll be legit. Be but we can't do another time. like because we did what for civil uh, uh, Captain America Civil War what was the theme, and then for Batman versus Superman it was conflict. Could we just do war for Warcraft? What if we did a three word title that was just flat out war? Like that's the name of the episode. That's the yeah, name of the flat episode. out war. <laughs> no, but that... just me and you fighting in the basement with LARP swords for an hour. LARP. <laughs> just constant. <laughs> Yeah, it's like not even a hard. No, it's just it's not even that noise. What it's are you like, doing over there? It's like a hard, like a beach. They're basically beach noodles, aren't they? It's like this. Oh, hold on. Oh, we're gonna sword fight now. Oh shit! Sword fight. Whoa, that doesn't sound. Convincing. That sounds like two like swords. Oh, we're battling. Okay, I think we're gonna do Warcraft next week. Warcraft, it is. All right, next week we'll figure out the theme. But it's been good. This has been the battles episode. Nope. I'm Nate. You're, it's not been the battles episode. It has been the it's animals. Been the animals episode. <laughs> uh, he's I, Nate. And wait, no, he's messing he's, me up. I'm he's Nate. Nate. He's Nate. <laughs> I'm Nate. I'm Ethan. And everyone, please, 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 pretty please, take care. And if you're at the bacon and beer, 
and Cheese Fest, come see us. We'll be there. You'll recognize Instagram. Us. Instagram. At, at Weekly Neurosis. At Weekly Neurosis. Facebook. At Weekly Neurosis. Twitter. Twitter. At Weekly Neurosis. LinkedIn. Everything. LinkedIn. LinkedIn. <laughs> We're not on LinkedIn. <laughs> All right. Take care, everybody.